All right, guys, so today's message is called Wealth with No Limits. And you know, last time I was up here, we talked about having a no limits mindset. So this is going to be kind of building upon that, but in the money regard, we're going to focus on that. So let me start off with a story. So several years ago, I worked for a church that was about 10 times the size of this one as their business manager. And I vividly remember my first few weeks there, whenever I saw the amount of money that was coming in and going out. This was $100,000 every month was coming in and $100,000 a month was going out. I'd never experienced this much cash flow before. You know, here we have about $100,000 come in for the year. (laughs) So it's a little bit different. So, you know, back then I actually saw money as a limited resource. So in other words, you better conserve it because it's gonna run out. You know, this is what you'd call a poverty mindset. And, believe it, and I remember thinking things like, I can't believe this church spends this much money. What a waste. You know, the same thing might be true in your mind if you look at somebody who's better off than you and you think something like, I can't believe they bought that car. They could have used that money to bless somebody else. Here's the thing. Money is not a limited resource. There's always more where that came from. And when you get into this mindset, money actually loses its hold on your life. You see, we tend to think that it's the rich who worship money, but often it's the people that don't have enough that let money rule their lives. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 8, 9. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. So how many of you know that Jesus had a home before he came to earth? We call it heaven. Streets of gold, pearl gates, there is like no sign of poverty or lack in heaven. But Jesus left that to come here, to be born in a manger, in the same type of place where shepherds were raising their donkeys and their sheep. You know, I bet it smelled pretty bad. I bet it was infested with flies. And I'd imagine on your way out, you might step in a little bit of poop. And you know, he did this for a reason, to make us wealthy. That's just who God is. He gives, us filth. he gives us beauty for filth, joy for sadness, healing for sickness, and prosperity for poverty. I think we have the better end of the deal. Let's think about heaven for a moment. So if wealth and riches are inherently bad, what in the world are they doing in heaven? Why would God describe heaven so lavishly wealthy if wealth was bad for you? You know, wealth can't be evil on its own, or the Bible would not describe heaven as a place full of wealth. So if you think that living wealthy as a Christian is taboo, then it's time to change your thinking so you can receive what God has for you. You know, it's also common for us to believe that Jesus was extremely poor whenever he walked this earth. And although he left heaven, heaven did not leave him. Although we put him in a manger, you can't put a manger in Jesus. You know, wealth, glory, and power seeped out of Jesus while he walked this earth. And we see that in the very first public miracle, which is found in John 2. And what was going on here was Jesus and his family attended a wedding celebration and they ran out of wine. Oh man, you can't celebrate anymore. So his mom looked to him and she said, Jesus, you got to fix this. And so what did he do? He took some water and he turned it into wine. Nobody had to go out and plant and harvest grapes. Nobody had to wait a couple years for this wine to ferment. 
It all happened miraculously and instantly. Let me tell you, this wasn't the cheap stuff either. It was the good stuff. Let me tell you another story. So Jesus and his disciple Peter were traveling and they came to a place that required them to pay poll tax. Kind of like when you're flying down the turnpike and if you don't have a pike pass, you gotta stop and you gotta drop some coins in the bin before you keep going. So they apparently didn't have, yeah, or not, you know. (laughs) So here's the deal. They apparently didn't have any cash on them because Jesus said, Peter, go fishing and and the fish you catch is gonna be a silver coin. So what happened here? Jesus commanded a fish to produce money. And I imagine if he could command one fish to produce money, he could command a school of thousands of fish to produce money. So money may not grow on trees, but it does grow on seaweed. (laughs) If Jesus can make money appear out of thin air, if he can take one boy's lunch and multiply it to feed thousands. If he can cause a fisherman who's struggling to catch fish to catch so much fish that it's about to sink his boat, then there's no way we could ever call him poor, at least not by earthly standards. In the scripture we read earlier, it was simply, earlier, it was simply saying that his earthly life was poor in comparison to his heavenly life. But when comparing to our worldly standards, even his earthly life was rich. You see, when he was born, chests full of valuables and riches were given to him by the wise men. And then he went on to lead a very well-funded ministry as a young adult, a guy my age. He lived a no-limits life. And even when his pockets were empty, he commanded a fish to foot the bill. The point is, Jesus may have lived modestly on the outside, but on the inside, he was wealthy. You know, often we get caught in a cycle. A little bit of wealth comes our way and we miraculously find some way to throw it all out to the birds. Anybody been there? So why the self-sabotage? The answer is actually found in scripture. Let's look at 3 John 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. In the scripture, John reveals that the level of your financial prosperity and the quality of your health will never surpass what's going on in your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Let me say that again. The level of your financial prosperity and the quality of your health will never surpass what's going on in your mind. In other words, prosperity starts with a mindset. So what do you believe? Do you believe the pastor that told you that Christians were supposed to be poor? Do you believe that influential person that told you you would never be successful? Or do you believe that own lie going in through your head that says that you don't deserve it? You know, when we struggle with loving ourselves the way that God loves us, we feel guilty even when we experience just a little bit of prosperity. And that's why we find some way to spend it all. You see, poverty is a disease. If you keep feeding it, it'll thrive while you suffer. What does poverty eat? Thoughts. You can continue down the path of self-hatred, dwelling on past mistakes and reminding yourself that you don't measure up, or you can change your thinking, starve poverty and bring prosperity into your life. So let's talk about walking out of poverty. And it all starts with discovering who God says that you are. So I I love what happened in worship today because it so goes along with this message that I'd already planned before worship even happened. So 
Let's take a look at five scriptures. There's a whole lot in the Bible about who God says that you are. I just picked five out. And the first one is 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Here's the deal. God chose you. It was a choice. He chose you. You didn't just fall into his lap. He's not obligated to take you on. He chose you. And in his eyes, your royalty. Next one, Galatians 3.26. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You're a child of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You know, I really never understood the, the love of a parent until I became a parent. And I can remember, I've been a dad for th- about three years now, almost, and when Leanna was born, I can remember like as she, she got older, like my love for her just continued to grow and grow. Like it felt like my heart was swelling. It's a feeling that I never had before. And then when number two came along, Adeline, I was concerned that I wouldn't be able to love her the same way. I was like, I feel like my heart is so full already. Like how, how can there be more for me to, to give? And it kept growing and it kept swelling and it, and you may or may not know, you probably know, but we have number three coming along and it'll do the same thing. If my, my love for my children can be that great, how much more is God's love for us? Like he's our dad. And he loves us. You're a son, you're a daughter of God. Colossians 2.10 you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Nothing missing, nothing lacking. When you live your life in Christ, you're complete. Romans fifteen seven. Therefore accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Here's the deal. Jesus accepted you before you even changed any of your behaviors. You're not rejected, you're accepted. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. According to God, you're not defined by your past. You're living a brand new life. You're no longer who you used to be, you are brand spanking new. So once you've dug into the word and discovered how God sees you, the next step is to envision yourself as God sees you. Everything that God created in our world is a manifestation of his imagination. You see, none of this was here, but he imagined it. And then he spoke it, let there be light. And it came about, there wasn't light before. He had this vision in his head. And look at this, Genesis 1:27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. So when God created us, he was envisioning himself. Think of it like we take a picture, you know, which can also be called an image. And what you see in that image very closely resembles what you took the picture of. God envisioned us as an image of himself. Like we're not like this lesser version. He didn't say, I'm gonna take myself and you know, knock it down 10 steps and then I'm gonna create man. No, he was envisioning himself and then he created us. Proverbs 23, seven says, 
for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So we know that God's imagination is powerful. You know, it created the world that we see, but there's something very powerful about your imagination too. Your life right now is a product of your own imagination. If you think you can do it, you do. If you think you can't, you don't. If you think you'll never have enough money, ironically, you never have enough money. If you wake up in the morning and your first thought is, I didn't get enough sleep last night. You're gonna be tired all day. That's for you, Beth. (laughs) You form your outer world with your inner thoughts. So what if we swapped all those negative thoughts with God's word and what he says about us? What if we got into his word on a regular basis, not just reading it, but letting it consume our thoughts? How would your life look different? You know, the last thing the devil wants you to do is to start replacing your negative thoughts with God's word. So when you do, all of a sudden, you start remembering all the times you messed up. A long time ago, yesterday, and maybe even today. So if you're plagued with your past sins or failures, the best way to confront them is head on. Let's take a look at 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here it is in short. Confess your sins and he takes care of the rest. Here's the deal. God doesn't forgive excuses. He forgives sin. So don't be afraid to admit that you screwed up. He already knows. He's just waiting for you to confess it so that you can fully realize his mercy and experience his forgiveness. This isn't for him. It's for you. You see, the devil's goal is to get your eyes off the Lord's redemption and onto your own failures. But in the midst of all this noise and nonsense, the Lord is always there to remind you of his amazing power to forgive your failures so that you can move forward without looking back. So change your thoughts, change your life. Romans 12, two. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. On your own, you can't change your life, but, but you can change your thoughts. And when you do, Jesus will transform your life. And changing your thoughts is not a passive process. You can't just wish it away. You know, I wish I didn't think like this. You have to put in the effort and seek out what God says about you. Envision yourself that way. Plant those truths in your heart and let the right thoughts drown out the wrong thoughts. The goal here is not to stop your negative thinking, it's to replace it with right thinking. You know, it's kind of like when you plant a garden. If you pull out the weeds and don't put anything in its place, what happens? The weeds just come right back and usually even more weeds. So if we try to just pluck those negative thoughts out of our mind, don't replace them with anything, I can almost guarantee you that a slew of more negative thinking is gonna come your way. So don't focus on stopping the negative thinking, focus on right thinking. 
So here's the deal. If you spent your life in a poverty mentality, thinking that there'll never be enough, then thinking and acting differently is gonna feel kind of strange at first, maybe even inauthentic. But persevere because in a few weeks of right thinking, your life will begin to change. You know, I can remember thinking, I'll never be out of debt. We had a maxed out credit card, a loan on our couch, a car that we could barely afford. But I changed my thinking. I believed that I could do it. And now we've been four years debt free. I can remember thinking, I'll never surpass an average income. I'm gonna be just like everyone else. But I changed my thinking, took the limits off, and now my tithe is pretty close to what my income used to be. And it's only going up from here. It's God's will for us to prosper, not just financially, but in every area of our life. He's just waiting for us to change our thinking. Believe who he says that we are and take the limits off. So I got a next step for you guys. You can't just come here and listen to me this morning. You gotta do something. So I want you to go home, and I want you to open up Google, and I want you to type in scriptures about who I am in Christ. Don't ever make an excuse that you can't find something in the Word, because you can just Google it. <laughs> <laughs> so when you Google that, I want you to read through them and I want you to pick the five that stand out to you the most, the ones that really hit you. And I want you to write them down, memorize them, think about them, and read them out loud every day. Here's the deal. Don't stop for at least 30 days and watch God transform your life. That's, that's really not a hard task. It's not daunting. Google is there to help you find those scriptures. And your hand is there to help you write those scriptures. And your mind is there to help you memorize those scriptures. And you even have a mouth to help you say those scriptures. Do all of that. Don't stop. It's the word that changes our life, guys. It's not coming to church. It's the word that changes our life. So back to the story about working as a business manager for that much larger church. There I met some wealthy people. Like we're talking checks in the tens of thousands for their tithe. I was just like, wow, that's awesome. You know, I expected these people to have a chip on their shoulder, to look down on me, treat me differently, but they didn't. They actually turned out to be more kind and generous than I was at the time. God used this experience to change my mindset on money and wealth. The next week, we're gonna continue this conversation and we're gonna get practical about building wealth God's way. Believe it or not, God has a lot to say about money in the Bible. And there's a lot of practical wisdom on how to handle your money, how to believe God. We're gonna talk about all of that next week. So today was just the prep work. We're gonna change our mindset. We're gonna believe that God wants us to be wealthy. We're gonna walk out of poverty that disease can't take us anymore because we're going to starve it and we're going to move forward. How many of you believe that we serve a no limits God? Stand up with me. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it's true. 
We thank you that it's right and we thank you that it transforms our lives. Lord, we dig into your word. Help us to fully realize and understand who you say that we are. Let us bury that in our hearts and let us live it, live it out. In Jesus' name, amen.